The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And on today's show, we are doing another AMA on air. Happy Friday. How are you feeling today? I hope the vibes are good. And I hope that you've got something fun to look forward to on this weekend. If you are new here, these Friday episodes are probably my favorite because they are short, sharp, sweet, to the point we get to cover a lot more stuff in them and I just love recording them. Now I did actually poll you guys after the love languages episode to see if you wanted a love language AMA but you all told me very clearly that you wanted to keep it mixed so we're going to keep it mixed and of course I just need to say this podcast is not a substitute for professional mental health help and if you do need that please check the show notes. Now, we're going to get into the show because I don't want to waste any time. We've got another mixed bunch of questions and there is one love language question. Then we've got a career question. We've got some organizational tips and then we have some ex-boyfriend chat. All right, guys. Question number one. Are love languages the only way in which you feel loved or show someone how they are loved? Now, this is the love language question for the episode and it was one that I didn't get to in the love language episode that I did about two weeks ago. And I wanted to put this in so that I could elaborate a little bit more. And if you had have listened to that episode, you would know that I do like love languages. I do, I guess, subscribe to them for that entry level kind of starting point awareness in a relationship. But I did say in that episode that I don't believe they are the only way to show love. And I'm going to give you some other ways that I think you can show love or practice love or even just have green flags in a relationship. And it kind of talks to that same point that, you know, you might hear people say, oh, is love enough or love isn't enough? And I think I don't also think that love is always enough. I think there are other things that are important in a relationship as well. And so I'm going to go through some of these with you. Now, of course, these aren't the only things. These are just the first 10 that came to me when I did the prep for this episode. As always, if you have thoughts on this, come in the Facebook group. I want to know what you guys think. And yeah, I'm always keen to kind of hear the conversation from your side as well. Number one, there is clear honest and kind communication. And that goes both ways. That is keeping your word. It is building trust. It is keeping promises. It is showing up for each other. It is actively listening. And that is really the starting point or a good foundation for any kind of relationship. Number two, they are also respectful and honor my boundaries. This also goes for them being able to set their own, them being able to enforce their own. And again, everything that I'm going to be talking about in this episode or in this question is going both ways. So I would try to show up for my partner like this, and I would hope that my partner shows up for me like that as well. Number three is their words and actions align. I've spoken about this many times on the podcast, but this looks like being consistent. It looks like no confusion. (laughs) At all points, I will know where I stand. They will know where they stand. And what is said is meant. And their actions are always reinforcing that I'm cared for or that I'm loved and vice versa. My favorite one, number four, is safety. And this is feeling safe in their company. It is feeling safe emotionally, 
spiritually, mentally, and physically. And I think this is a huge one because that is how you're then able to practice vulnerability in the relationship. And that is how you're able to deepen the relationship with whoever you're with. And it also looks like really good emotional support, them being able to validate you and vice versa as well. Number five is willingness. And I always talk about this too, and it is so important, but it is willingness to show up for the relationship willingness to show up for you, your willingness to show up for them. It is commitment. It is not running away when things get hard. It is being able to have the hard conversations. It is being able to do better when you need to do better, to work through disagreements, to work through difficulties and to have the hard convos and then being able to take that action as well. Number six is compassion. This is compassion for themselves, compassion for others, Same with you, compassion for you, compassion for others. And it is being understanding and supportive always. We then have compromise at number seven. And this is really talking about conflict because I feel like a lot of us, and it's not it's not on purpose, but a lot of us will enter into disagreements with a partner to like win or to one up them. And that attitude towards conflict is really not helpful. And so looking at any conflict with compromise and being able to like admit mistakes, being able to take accountability for mistakes as well. Number eight, autonomy. And this is huge. It's something I value. It's one of my core values actually. And so I guess that's why I put it on here, but it is me being me. It is them being them. And it is each other celebrating each other for who they are authentically and not trying to change the other person. Obviously, if I had a partner, I would want to show up as the best version of myself for them anyway. That doesn't look like changing who I am at my core. That looks like embracing my own authenticity and being able to just have my own identity at the same time. And I would want that for my partner in return. Number nine is fun, humor and doing things that are fun for both of you. And I think, I don't know about you guys, but as I have aged I have not really made space for fun in my life. I'm trying to do better at that and I will do better with that. But it is important to keep that element of fun alive, especially even if you're not in a relationship, just in general, it's important to have that breath of fresh air away from work, away from stress, away from everything else that is, you know, around in our day-to-day lives. And then number 10 is affection. And that's where I would probably put the love languages, because that is romance, intimacy, sex. And I think that is also tied to appreciation as well. And having this, I guess, underlying theme of appreciation or element of appreciation for each other in the relationship too. So those are my thoughts on other ways that you can show love or on other ways that feel like love to a partner and from a partner. And obviously there's heaps more. I feel like I could keep going all day, but please come and share it in the group if you have any others that you want to add to that. And if you want more on love languages, go back and listen to episode number 45 because there's a big chunky episode there for you. Next question. What are your top tips for getting your life organized? And I love this question and I feel like I get it quite a bit because you guys might think that I am super organized, but I feel like I'm still in a bit of an adjustment period and I feel like I'm not the poster girl for organization at the moment. That's just me being very transparent and honest with you. I realized, and maybe it was like February that did it, but I haven't really found a good routine since quitting my job. And I quit my job at the end of August last year, start of September. So 
it's been, what, six months, maybe a little bit more. I can't do quick maths, but I still feel like I need to find a better balance with my work. I need to find a better balance with my social life. I need to find a better balance with dating. And yeah, I feel like I've got room to improve. In saying that though, I am a creature of habit and I do have some tips on like habits and routine that I want to share and that I'm trying to get back to myself or that I'm trying to do as well. (laughs) So the first one is having a list system. I've spoken about this before. I have a daily list and that is just in my notes app. It's not anything crazy on a on an app or in a journal or anything like that. I just quickly whip out my notes. I put in the top three to five things that I need to do and I keep that list small so that it doesn't overwhelm me. And I tend to either do that in the morning or the night before. And as I cross off things, then I can add stuff to the list. I'm going to quickly read you what's on my list today because I did write one last night because I was feeling a little bit stressed. I don't know, you guys probably can't see, but it's just in my notes app and I call it the get to do list because I always think I get to do these things. And so the first thing I've got is to edit and send a brand deal to my manager by close of business today. I actually recorded some of it just before I filmed this podcast. I need to film and edit a nail file review for TikTok because I bought Franklin a nail file so that I can cut his nails. Franklin is my dog for everybody playing along that doesn't know. And I tried to cut his nails for the first time last week and it went okay. So I'm going to make a video for TikTok. I have to go past my property and film a renovation update for YouTube. And then I have to reply to all my comments on YouTube and the Your Safe Space podcast group from yesterday. And then I have to plan out the rest of the March YouTube content. So they're my top five things today that I'm working on. They are all work-related, but Tuesday is probably one of my more productive and jam-packed days or in terms of like recording, filming, editing and stuff like that. The goal is to keep it achievable. I know that I can probably get all those things done today. I'm not putting on there, I'm going to go write a book or I'm going to film, I'm going to record 10 podcast episodes today. That would be unachievable. That would probably be unrealistic. And that would probably put me off. Then I've got another two lists. I have a monthly list. These are moving goals that I am working on continually. I also look at those every time I do my monthly review, just to make sure I'm on the right track. And then I have a yearly list. These are my big ticket items. I write them down at the start of the year, all the things I want to achieve. And I don't look at it again until really the end of the year. The monthly list, I look at monthly. The daily list, I look at daily. But my list system, I feel like does work for me. Tip number two is to have a routine that works for you. And I can't stress how important it is that it works for you. My routine is not going to work for you. Your routine is not going to work for me. It's not meant to. And the key is to find what feels good for you and make that or implement that as you, you know, go on each day. So it might be having a morning routine, a night routine, a different weekend routine. And it also looks like currently what areas of your life aren't feeling the best or are causing some friction and then working backwards to fix it. And I'll give you some examples. If your housework or your washing is building up too much on a weekend, break it up into shorter time slots during the week. If your accounting or admin or tax stuff is piling up, do it as you go and set aside some time weekly. If you always have a dead phone, carry around a portable battery and phone charger. That's what I do now because I always seem to have a dead phone. And the reason I say that is because everyone's pain points are different and 
I can't sit here and say, I know what all your pain points are to then give you a solution. But I feel like to create that efficiency in my life, it is trying to iron out any areas of discomfort and trying to make sure that I am then able to show up better because I don't have to worry about little things like that piling up come the end of the week. My third tip is to use a calendar. Now I use Google Calendar. I do have an iPhone. Unfortunately, the Apple calendar is not good because I have multiple emails. I have an email for this podcast. I have an email for my management. I have a personal email. I have an email for my renovations. I have another email for something else. So I need all of them synced and Google Calendar lets me sync it. It is so handy and I'm obsessed with it. I also put a little widget onto my phone and it sits on the front screen. I can always see what I've got coming up and it just makes me feel so much more at ease and so much more peaceful because I'm not stressing about what to do or what's coming up. I can see it very clearly. And when I say using a calendar, it's only as good as how much you use it and what you put into it. You can have a calendar, but if you're not entering in things, then it's essentially useless. So in my calendar, I put in everything, appointments, events, birthdays. I put in reminders. I put in any non-negotiables. I put in the gym sessions that I've got. And the reason I do that is because if I don't write it down or make space for it, it might not happen. (laughs) Especially if I don't write things down that I need to remember, chances are I'm going to forget. I feel like I've got a million tabs open in my brain and my brain just can't hold on to information like I used to. So I have to write it down and I write it down in the calendar. That then leads me to tip number four, which is to time block your time. And I have spoken about this in the past too, but again, using my calendar, I will block out the time for everything. And I work in usually like 45 minute to an hour blocks. And that is whether I'm doing emails, whether I'm recording, whether I'm editing or planning, I give myself that time frame to complete it. Afterwards, I would probably take like a five to 10 minute break, unless it's a lunch break, I would take a proper lunch break. But I would just give myself that five to 10 minutes to either get up, get some water, stretch my legs, move my body a little bit so that I can keep myself focused and keep myself feeling productive. And it also looks like doing things when you are most productive to do them. I've spoken about this too. You guys know I am a morning person. My sleep schedule is a bit all over the place at the moment, but I am working on that. And so for me, I tend to schedule all of my really heavy, hard work in the mornings because I know that's when I have bulk of my energy. Come like 4 p.m., 5 p.m., I've got very minimal energy then. So I'll save that time for like editing or emails, things that are low energy that don't require me to speak to the camera or speak to anybody. And then my last tip is to make your bed. And I never used to think that making your bed was important. I used to leave it unmade. Can you believe that? I can't believe it either. But my thought process was, I'm just going to get back in. So what's the, what's the point? Like, there's no point in me making my bed if I'm going to get back in in the next, I don't know, 12 hours. But I think it goes deeper than that. I think it goes deeper than just making the bed. It is about keeping your space tidy. It is about decluttering. It is keeping your desk clean, your car clean, your wardrobe clean, your bathroom clean, your bedroom clean. It also means putting things away as soon as you can put them away, not saying, oh, I'll do that later. I used to do that quite a bit. I used to wash whatever it was and then the the clean washed laundry would just sit there on my bed for like days and days and days. And so I don't do that anymore. I try to put it away as soon as I get it. And it really is just about treating your space with care. You want the space that you're working and living in to be tidy because it does actually have an impact on how we feel. 
sometimes that's without realizing. I think I recently cleaned out my bathroom cupboard and I did a decluttering of my wardrobe and I felt so good after that. It was like oh, a weight had lifted off my shoulders as well. And so they are my tips for kind of getting my life organized. Obviously, I would love to do another episode because I think there are some more kind of life hacks and things that we could talk about. And I want your tips too. So come into the Facebook group so that you can share yours as well. Our third question for the show is, did you experience imposter syndrome in your corporate job and what are your tips to handle it? And thank you to this listener for submitting this question. I'm really sorry that you are experiencing imposter syndrome. It is such a terrible feeling. It's probably one of like the the least favorable things to feel and one that is also so common. I would love another deep dive on this too because there is so much into imposter syndrome that I want to unpack. I just don't have the time for it today. But keep an eye out for the polls in the Facebook group. And for those of you who don't know, imposter syndrome I'm going to give you a definition, is also called perceived fraudulence. So this involves feelings of self-doubt and personal incompetence that persist despite your education, experience, and accomplishments. To counter these feelings, you might end up working harder and holding yourself to an even higher standard. That is the definition. And I've also got a clip from a research article that I want to read out as well, because I found this so fascinating. People who struggle with imposter syndrome believe that they are undeserving of their achievements and the high esteem in which they are. They feel that they aren't as competent or intelligent as others might think, and that soon enough, people will discover the truth about them. Those with imposter syndrome are often well accomplished. They may hold highly regarded positions or have numerous academic degrees. It's fascinating because I definitely felt it in my corporate world. I felt it, I feel it now in my job as a content creator and in social media. And I'll tell you a story about that in a second. But I felt it in corporate predominantly whenever I got a promotion Whenever I was acknowledged for something, like if I won, I don't know, an award or something like that, there was one job I had where I had won like a high achiever award and I felt like I didn't deserve it and like I shouldn't have gotten that. And even though my results were really good and on paper it looked like I did deserve it, my brain was like, no, Adele, you did not deserve this at all. And I also felt it whenever I got put on a new project or a new task or a new role. Now, every time I felt this in the past, I can look back with hindsight and see that it was definitely about mindset and my internal beliefs about myself. And I'm going to give you an activity of what I did then and what I still do to this day whenever I feel it. And the activity is number one, to acknowledge it. And I always say this, we start with acknowledgement because if we don't label it and we don't give it a chance to exist, how can we process it? How can we move through it? I know it feels so uncomfortable to admit or to label something like that, but that is the way that you let it pass. You can do this in a journal. You can do this with a friend and you can even do it with a colleague if you want or if you are seeing a professional mental health care worker, you could chat about it with them. The second thing you need to do is in your journal again, or even to yourself, you need to take note of every single one of your achievements. Acknowledge every single other time you have succeeded. Acknowledge every single other time you got the promotion and you did well. Every single time you accomplished something hard and every time you were resilient through a period like this before. 
look at your past history of when your boss told you well done or every other time you had gotten the job and do that so you can see facts and hard evidence of you being deserving of whatever promotion or new job that you've just received. And then my last tip is to challenge the inner critic. And I think especially with imposter syndrome, it will come up and tell you that you're not good enough. It will come up and tell you that you don't deserve it. But when it does, face it head on. Even ask yourself, where are the facts to support that? Because I just wrote down all these facts about all my accomplishments and I know that I am actually deserving of it. And sometimes I literally just tell that little voice in my head to fuck off. (laughs) And I know it's like I'm talking to myself, but I really have to quieten it down. And I know that Choosing self-compassion over self-criticism feels a lot better energetically. And so it is a conscious effort to practice that. But the more you practice it, the better you'll get at it. And as I said, I found it coming up in corporate, but I have found it coming up in social media as well. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, You guys might remember last year, I went to the TikTok for You Fest. It was in, I think, December. And I was so excited to be invited. But I was like, I shouldn't have been invited because I only have X amount of followers and I only got invited because of my management company. And I felt like I shouldn't have been there. At that event, I walked a red carpet for the first time and it I was full of anxiety and it just wasn't a nice feeling for me because I kept telling myself that I shouldn't be there and I shouldn't be experiencing it. And it was different because I think in corporate, I would just experience this stuff in my head and obviously at a day-to-day basis while I was like at my desk. But for this event, I was there and in the moment and it was really hard to kind of navigate and work through that. And then to make matters worse, I came home from that event and the next day on TikTok, I saw another creator. She had more followers than me and has been on TikTok a lot longer than me. And she made a video about how she wasn't invited. And she was really upset with TikTok that she wasn't invited and how other people with less followers than her were invited. And then in the comments, people were like, I can't believe Adele got invited. She has way less followers than you. And this TikToker was then liking the comments and they were talking about how I shouldn't be invited. And it just reinforced all of that for me as well. And I think in the grand scheme of things, it's not that serious. And in the grand scheme of things, after that event, and obviously after some processing and letting it all up and out, I got the fuck over it. But it happens to everyone. It is very common. I don't think it matters what field you are in. It is something that we may all experience in our lifetime. And I think what you need to do is continue to challenge it because what it does is it robs you of the ability to celebrate your success. And so continue to challenge it. Imposter syndrome will pass. Good luck. And if you want me to unpack this in a deeper dive, please vote for it in the polls when they come up. And then guys, on to our very last question. (laughs) This one, this one is interesting. Have you ever had exes come back? What are your thoughts on they always come back? I've been waiting for this one. I think I answered a similar question. I think it was, should I get back with my ex in an older episode of an AMA? But I wanted to answer this because the coming back part, there is a lot of commentary, especially on TikTok, that they always come back. They always come back. And I definitely have had some of them come back. I've had some long-term ex-boyfriends come back. I've had some situationships come back. I've had guys I went on one date with come back. And... I'm not even just talking about like weeks or months. I'm talking about years. I had 
one ex who I hadn't spoken to for three years come back into my life. My mistake was letting him come back. Um, but I want to flesh it out because I have so many thoughts on it. And on this, my answer is sometimes. I think I've had two of my exes that haven't come back. The first guy I dated at like 19, 20. I'm pretty sure he's married with kids now and good, good luck to him. I definitely don't want him to come back. I don't want any of them to come back. And then also the recent ex, the one that I did the healing series with. And he never came back. I think it would be funny if he did. I think he shouldn't. He had a whole uh, uh, healing series made about him. So I don't think he's ever coming back. But every single other one has. And I think if they both did, then maybe I would have said yes. But I think sometimes is still my answer. And I also believe that it's not a flex if they come back. I'll explain why, especially if they hurt me so badly. And I think maybe my bias comes from looking at all the times that they did come back and seeing that it was for the wrong reasons and vice versa. That ex that came back after three years, we ended up sleeping together and we had this weird situation for a few weeks. And I also entertained it for the wrong reasons. In the moment, I wasn't really thinking long-term. In the moment, I wasn't thinking rationally. I think that he probably came back for an ego boost just to know he could still come back if he wanted. And I went back because it was comfortable. I went back because it was safe. I went back because I had just, I literally had just come out of another long-term relationship and he was someone that I already knew and felt safe with. And I just felt like that was a good thing to do when really looking back in hindsight, it wasn't. And so overall, I don't think it's a good thing if they come back. And I know some of you are going to be listening and saying, oh, but my ex came back and it worked out. I genuinely believe that an ex is an ex for a reason. And usually once I am healed from a breakup or I've moved through it, my ex isn't really attractive to me anymore. Like they're not even my type anymore. And sometimes, yes, I know that there can be exceptions to the rule. Some exes can come back after many years and have done the work and worked on themselves and made it work. But most of the time, I think exes are coming back for these reasons. And I'm going to read them out to you. The first one is they miss you. They feel guilty for what they did to you. They might be over being single. They had a terrible relationship and realized what they lost. Maybe they are feeling lonely. Maybe they want an ego boost. Maybe they just want to hook up. Maybe they are confused. Maybe you are comfortable for them. Or maybe they want what they can't have, especially if you have already moved on as well. Obviously, I don't know if this listener's ex has come back and I don't know what the reasons for them coming back are, but I would urge you to look at their intentions. I would urge you to look at your intentions and to really see why you are wanting to entertain it and to try and see from their language or from whatever they're saying why they are wanting to entertain that. I also want to say sometimes our exes come back to serve us as a reminder of what is not good for us, that we deserve better and that the breakup was the best thing to really happen to us. And so on that, I'm going to wrap the show. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Show yourself some love, tidy up your space, speak to yourself nicely and don't go back to your ex. No, I'm kidding. Do what you want. I'll always hold the space for you to figure out what you should and shouldn't do, but don't go back to your ex. (laughs) All right, guys, as always, if you are not already, follow us on Instagram, Your Safe Space Pod. Follow me at Adele Marie. Join our beautiful Facebook group, Your Safe Space Podcast. I love the group so much. Thank you everyone that's joined in the last week. 
leave us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. It goes a long way helping out this little independent podcast and tag us in your story while you are listening. And I'll see you guys on Sunday. Bye. Bye.